0: If you were free on a Saturday night and wanted a guaranteed place to chill, Habits Cafe in Oakley was the place to do it. With a massive beer list and a curated jukebox, Habits was a great place to meet new and old neighbors alike. But some special patrons may meet some permanent paranormal residents who never quite left the building. And welcome to another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Hots podcast. I am your host, CAC Loco, and along with me in the shadows are Jen Kohler and Christina Wald, and we'll hear more from them in just a minute. I'm just going to sound a little bit hoarse again. I am so sorry. All of your eardrums may hate me after the end of this episode. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's see. So to stay up to date with our show, by, you can follow us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter and at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. You can join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts, also to share all of your spooky stories. Of course, we're dying to hear about your personal paranormal encounters with the paranormal and fringe history from your neck of the woods. Please send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com or join and share it on our Facebook, Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. You can find our podcast where you listen and watch our show, and you can watch our show feed on YouTube. Just find us by searching Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Please take a moment to rate and review us on those platforms so other spooky story lovers like yourself can find the show. Of course, the link is in the show notes. Also, we have a few different show news pieces. We will be at the inaugural Frogman Fest this March 4th at the Great Wolf Lodge Conference Center in Mason, Ohio. We will have copies of both issues at the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities Comics Anthology, cryptid posters, and stickers. Find a friend of the show and author extraordinaire, James Willis, is a featured speaker, along with other folklorists, cryptozoologists, and artists from really all over. I know we have a lot of West Virginia artists that have started popping up saying they're going to be going, so it should be fun. We can talk about cryptids from West Virginia and all those hollers like we did a few episodes ago. You can find more information at frogmanfestival.com. This same month, on March 18th, 2023, we will be at the Highland Heights Comic Con at Northern Kentucky University Student Union. And uh, I don't think there are any more artist or vendor tables left, but you can buy tickets to go. And that will be at a link we'll have in our show notes because that link keeps changing and not being consistent. But it should be a fun new event for everyone. So, sources for tonight's show is the Cincinnati Inquirer, the Cincinnati Post, the Cincinnati City Beat, Cincinnati Haunted Handbook by Jeff and Michael Morris, I Finally Found My Copy, and the Cincinnati Ghosts by Karen Lavin. Also, the Oakley Neighborhood Council and WCPO News. Oakley was originally a village known as Four Mile on the old Madison Turnpike in the mid-19th century, so aptly named because it was about four miles away from Cincinnati proper. Four Mile became a popular stagecoach stop on the turnpike, and in 1869 officially registered their new village name, Oakley, named for the many oak trees that grew in the village. We were certainly creative people, weren't we? Oakley was once the residence of Phoebe Ann Moss, known as Annie to her friends and family, when she married her husband, Frank E. Butler. Annie was a local sharpshooter who grew up outside Cincinnati and had impressed her future husband at a shooting challenge with when his Bonan and Butler shooting act was performing in the city. His stage name was Buffalo Bill. Hers became Annie Oakley. Together, they would perform for decades in the world-famous Buffalo Bill Wild West show. There is a mural dedicated to Annie Oakley titled Little Sure Shot, painted on Voltage Furniture's High-Rise Tower in the Center of Oakley. The mural was designed by Nicole Trimble and sponsored by Artwork Cincinnati. I mention this because it's an awesome mural that you see whenever you're driving in from the west side of town, or sorry, from the east to the west, you get to see it right on Madison Road. The village of Oakley grew to being a stop on the Baltimore and Ohio Southwest Railroad, but what really put it on the map was the Oakley Race Course, which was constructed in 1890 between Minot and Robertson Avenue. During the few years that the track was open, it became a famous thoroughbred racing area. However, the track was short-lived, and Ohio outlawed betting in 1905. Parts of the former clubhouse are now part of a private residence in Oakley. Just a note, if you live along Minot Avenue from Edwards Road to Inyard Avenue, and on the following streets, the 20, 28th Street Millsbury, Eileen Drive. Thirty first, thirty second, thirty-third, thirty fourth, Vern Avenue, Brownway Avenue, and Appleson Street, your home now stands on the old racetrack. So that includes some listeners of our show. Also, this is where the old Kenner factory was, as well as a few plastics factories, which have now all been sold off and are being turned into one gigantic development, which also would have stood on the old racetrack. So that the entire part of Oakley was an old racetrack that same year in 1905 the racetrack land and the property surrounding it was purchased by the Cincinnati milling machine plant the mill as it is called is largely responsible for the growth of Oakley into the 20th century so a part of the growth of Oakley was the Lenox building Built in 1900 as a mixed-use office and retail building on Oakley Square, it sits at an awkward intersection at Madison Road, Alston Avenue, and Mark Brett Street on the eastern edge of Oakley Square. Edward A. Reef was the builder and was responsible for many of the buildings in Oakley and Hyde Park, such as the School for Saint Mary's, the actual school building. Uh, in Hyde Park, the Mission on Edwards Road, the Virginia and Monteith buildings in Hyde Park Square, as well as the former Hyde Park Theater. Then the Lennox the houses a variety of retail and restaurant fronts on the ground floor, while the upper floors are apartments and office spaces for rent. So I found some interesting tidbits about the Lennox through the past few hundred years that's been open, basically over 100 years, 123 now. So we have a lot of interesting organizations and people that have lived there. In 1918, it was home to W.J. Bates, who stabbed his brother-in-law, Ralph Trotter, to death on a train bound for Cincinnati. And at one point in 1926, you could rent an apartment in the building for $126 a month. That sounds lovely. The Eastern Hills Softball League also called the Lennox Building home in 1938, and that Hyde Park, Oakley, Madisonville, Norwood, and Walnut Hills all had teams in the league. I do not know what their scores were, though. So go Oakley, and go Walnut Hills. In the 1960s and 70s, Oakley was in decline. However, but in 1980, a new tenant of the Lennox Building opened, Habits Cafe. Its opening was a little rough. In its first year, some local juveniles managed to steal the darts out of Habits Cafe and proceeded to puncture holes in the tires of 30 cars along an eight-block area of Alston-Minnow, 33rd and 34th Streets. The police did find the darts in the cars and on the roadways. It was, it, it was just chalked up to being juveniles, being juveniles, and pranking everybody by blowing out their tires. It was the 80s, everyone different times. Besides that incident though, Habits Cafe was a bar and restaurant that was enjoyed by the new local residents of Oakley, young couples and first time home buyers in the city described as a jukebox bar in the 1982 Cincinnati Enquirer article. The co-owners of Habits strove to create a welcoming environment with the music that they loved. Ed Hall, one of the four original co-owners curated the music selections from his over 700 record collection That's a lot of records. Mark Rogers, a longtime owner of Habits and one of the most often interviewed co-owners, tirelessly worked on building a welcoming atmosphere for patrons. He says, we didn't want to be a clicky spot where you have to be part of the in crowd to come in, as he said for the same Inquirer article. Habits Cafe was also known for its burgers. And I think as soon as I mentioned that this was going to be the topic of tonight's show, Christina said, are we going to talk about the strange burgers? Because man, for at least 20 years, the strange burgers just dominate every news article that has anything to do with Habits Cafe. That's what they wanted to talk about. Their jazz, their blues and their funky burgers, especially their ostrich burger. They were very proud of this ostrich burger. Um, So yeah. It was fun just going through all the articles and they're just like, try our ostrich burger. Also, the great thing was the large amount of beers that they had on tap. And a lot of the photos of the plate of the bar would just be their gigantic bar top. And then just easily 20, 30 different bar beers on tap. So made it a really fun neighborhood place to eat. I know I have eaten there. I believe Jen has eaten there. She's nodding. And Christina, who is off screen, is probably nodding. I know. Yes, she's giving me a nod, everyone. It's like a Ouija board session. Just, yeah. Uh, We got all nods. So we've all eaten there. We'll talk about it a little bit after I'm done with this. So. However, there is one thing that Habits had that no other establishment except for the 20th century theater had on Oakley Square, and that is a true crime ghost story. So here are the legends. The history of the Lennox building is a vague puzzle of bars, businesses, and rumored illegal dealings that were kept off the books. However, out of that mysterious puzzle grew a ghost story that has been retold between locals, newspapers, and now has made it into haunted history books, and podcasts. Humor has it that in the 1940s, the bar that occupied the area that that was Habits Cafe was called Luke's Lounge, and that owners were involved with a number of illegal fencing operations with the mob, often happening at the bar. The owner paid off a crooked cop to ensure that his illegal operations would remain quiet, and they did so until the cop was found shot dead to death in the basement of the Lennox building. The owner of the lounge was immediately suspected because of previous, of previous burglary convictions and his connections with the mob. There are claims that the Lennox building was owned by the Irish mafia in the 1940s. And another story states that illegal gambling was occurring in the basement. In this story, not only does the crooked cop get gunned down in the basement, but the former lounge owner also shot dead in the back street of the building two weeks later. Another version of the policeman's story tells the tale of a severely intoxicated patron who became belligerent when the bartender stopped serving them. When the police were called, the patron was in the basement and grabbed a shotgun and shot a police officer entering the basement in the head when they entered the basement. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. It, yet, it, all these stories somehow a policeman ends up dead in the basement. What is known is that the basement of the Lennox Building is haunted by a man described to being, be to be wearing an all-white zoot suit and fedora, white shoes, and had a very pale face. His apparition, apparition, nope, apparition has been witnessed start again. His apparition has been witnessed by not only bar staff but also the co-owner's young sons when they were around seven years old and playing in the basement. According to the story they reported back to their dads that this man who was floating a few feet off the ground and was talking to them. The boys described the apparition as running up a second set of stairs in the basement away from the boys when they all noticed each other in the basement. When the boys reached Mark Rogers, they told him what he saw and he immediately went to the basement to investigate, thinking that there was an intruder on the premises. He found no one and all the doors were locked. Phantom footsteps have often been heard while staff bite hmm. Phantom footsteps have also been heard while staff work in the basement as well as cold spots in the feeling of being watched the entire time you were there. A line cook for the bar was apparently followed by the entity in the basement. When she went down to the cooler in the basement to fetch some supplies, she noticed a bright red light emanating from one of the other rooms in the basement. When she called out if anyone was down there with her, the light faded into a ball and chased her from the basement and back up the stairs. The same line cook had kitchen appliances flung at her, such as a waffle iron and the kitchen clock, which fell to her feet. She also found herself locked inside the basement a number of times while working there. Other employees have had rolls of toilet paper thrown at them in the basement while fetching supplies from there or food or whatnot. Patrons have found their phones and camera batteries drain quickly. Similar to the kitchen, objects on the bar move around or are tossed off the bar top completely. Lights also turn on and off on their own. Another ghost who has been witnessed around the bar room is much more modest in appearance. He is said to wear a baseball cap when he walks into the bar, usually seen out of the corner of staff's eyes. Just a short glimpse or a shadow of the fellow, no one knows who this spirit could be. However, with all these ghost stories, there is a little myth busting, which came very surprising to me. So, A former police officer for the Cincinnati Police Department and crime historian Patrick Overly has documentation that there was a crooked police officer in the Oakley district who had a special liquor premise permit relationship with one of the bars. And the owner of the bar did have previous, previous burglary charges. However, this case happened in the 1970s, not the 1940s. Also in the 1940s, the Lennox building was owned by a woman named Mary A. Dyer and Mary A. Fagley, Fegley. Fegley. Okay, can we say that given how we were just talking about things earlier. So also in the 1940s, the Lennox building was owned by Mary A. Dyer and Mary L. Fegley. And with Mary Fegley owning the property until 1965. Now, Dyer can be an Irish last name, but it also can be English. The Irish Mafia is a real thing, but in Ohio, it is located in Cleveland, and the most notorious is an Italian Cleveland, the Italian-American Cleveland Syndicate who were quite active in Newport and were known to be quite ruthless. The syndicate also had crooked police officers in Newport working for them, so the story isn't easy to believe, happening in Oakley during the 1940s through the 70s. Does this mean that the Cincinnati sect of the Irish mafia couldn't exist? No. But does the link between Dyer and the Irish mob is pretty shaky? And as Patrick Overly put in his interview for the Cincinnati Inquirer back in 2006, this story is nothing more than an urban legend and that has existed for at least a quarter of a century since 2006. So that would put it Happening, the goat, the, the urban legend being created around the 1970s to early 80s. And he also said, pardon the pun, but it won't die out. So, Habits Cafe legacy. In 2019, the new owners of the Lennox building gave Habits Cafe only 30 days to vacate the space they had for nearly 40 years. Originally, there were plans to move to the former Oakley laundromat across the street from Habits Cafe since Mike Rogers owned it and the 20th century next door. which also is home to a ghost. The space that Habits once occupied is now home to Zyver Hair Salon and Rosewood Tie and Sushi as of recording. And so if there are any ghosts still remaining and you've experienced them and you work at either of those two places or live in the apartment complex above them, please write to us and let us know what you've experienced. I have heard of ghost stories from those apartments that things move doors shut on their own and shadow people have been walking through the hallways. I've heard this from people who used to live there. So which piqued my curiosity as to who could be haunting the Lennox building in October of 2021. It was announced that Mark Rogers sold the 20th century theater to Bronson tribute of blue ash Shubhi has since taken care in renovating a theater and this year has painted murals of famous faces from Hollywood along the outside walls, giving Oakley Square a wonderful artsy atmosphere if you visit today. So that is the story of Habits Cafe. I'm sorry if it was a little here and there and my voice kind of gave out at one point. But thoughts. Ladies,
1: come back.
2: How cool. (laughs) I had no idea. Yeah, I had
1: the I had the ostrich burger. And it was very dry.
2: <laughs> All right. Did anyone else try it? No. I did I, try it. I am not a, a a brave eater in that respect, but I have had their burgers and I have always enjoyed going there.
1: Yeah. Enjoying oh, I there. enjoyed going there. Yeah. I just you know I had, I had to try. I'm, I'm yeah. naturally curious.
0: I've had ostrich. I don't think it was from there, but their burgers were very good. They were very tall. They were always very mm-hmm. big. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but, and juicy. That well, one's... I think
1: it's hard when you're making a burger from leaner meat for it to yeah. be juicy. Oh. I mean, I think that ostrich or emu or whatever it was, is a bit
2: leaner. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably why it was dry. Oh, yeah. Is that the oh, only thing you can remember about it? it? It was just dry? Did it taste like a cow or a
1: uh, You know, I mean, chicken most, or... <laughs> most meats do not have, I mean, that distinctive a flavor. Mm -hmm. uh most of what you taste is probably the herbs i mean obviously probably one of the stronger flavored meats is mutton oh yeah and a lot of people that eat say like when you eat lamb you taste a little bit of that gamey sort of muttony flavor Mm -hmm. but i think that's supposed to be one of the stronger flavors but when i've had i have had bear and venison and i don't remember the flavor being that i mean slightly different but not that different
0: yeah <laughs> bear was really chewy yeah, yeah it, it less was less gamey mm-hmm. gamey t- what, what tasting kind
2: of bear did you know black grisly, it was a black brown. bear
0: mm. um and uh, it was a delicacy so it was something that didn't happen frequently mm-hmm. and um
1: my grandma yeah. used to make rabbit a
2: lot and rabbit tastes pretty good i will not eat thumper not ever <laughs> <laughs> i love bunnies no yeah it's <laughs> being a we bunny we owner. digress we, <laughs> no. from, from culinary expertise to
1: the the ghost story is really interesting and yeah. i i forgot about the you know last time we sketched in oakley i sketched that building that has mm-hmm. annie oakley on it and i was yeah. actually in annie get your gun in high school so <laughs> <Fine>. yeah
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's always fun talking about Annie Oakley, and we should probably talk about her in a different episode. Because she would probably be
1: great to talk about in the episode because that whole time period was so weird. It was yeah. so
0: weird. And she's from outside of Cincinnati and is only buried a few, like an easy hour drive from here. Mm-hmm. So, and also, Buffalo Bill died only 17 days after she did of a broken heart. Aww. So he refused, he would not eat after she died. So um, they they were a very loving couple. They were married for a really long time. And also Mm -hmm. Annie was a huge suffragette and she was very, very pro women should get guns and know how to defend themselves. And um, big suffragette basically back before, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: just at the very beginning of that movement was taking off. And uh, she kept doing like when they died, they gave all their money to charity. Oh, them. nice. And because uh, um, they never had children of their own. So they just gave it as to orphanages and as many charities as possible. Oh, wow. So um, it so was They were a nice couple. And mm-hmm. I, I know the idea of guns now will make people recoil, which I totally get. But um, what they did back then was very different. And um, she also mm-hmm. made a lot of enemies for her
1: activism. Yeah.
2: So. But well, they didn't uh, so, have AR-15s then either. That,
1: that is God. very true. Exactly. I enough. was thinking the exact same thing, Jen. I was like, yeah. "Well, you know, they a musket that. is mm-hmm. something that kind of took a long time to load and shoot." Yeah, well, it, it did. And the amount of skill involved
2: AR-4. in that, oh yes, yeah. is amazing.
0: Yeah, she was ambidextrous, so she could sh- shoot her pistol or her shotgun from either hand, from either side, and also backwards. So. Wow. She was just extremely good, which means her high end eye coordination was just astronomical. Mm-hmm. But um, and I
2: trip over a flat floor, so
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the rugs get me. But
2: but the the the
1: the whole mafia story was interesting. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's that was an interesting thing where the Irish mafia was thrown in out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And what I also find interesting is that so many of the ghost stories say top up and down that it was a police officer shot and killed in the basement of the lennox building Mm -hmm. and i and i spent all day yesterday going through archives police archives the newspaper archives local history archives could not find any police officer shot and killed in a basement Hmm. and the other Hmm. thing that's fascinating is the fact that the police the apparition that's described is wearing a white zoot suit so a man in is, white it's a man in white instead <laughs> of a lady in white which kudos to habits cafe in the lennox building for mm-hmm. upending that trope mm-hmm. but um it's fascinating that if it could be the police officer and he just wanted to wear a zoot suit into the afterlife hat he can do that that's his call to do but a zoot suit was a particular fashion from the 40s late 30s maybe it has I believe it's history in black culture first before being appropriated into white culture at the time. Somebody may be screaming at me for that one right in if I'm wrong, but I thought that's what happened. And um, yeah, it's interesting how that's how that particular apparition is constantly seen. It's only been really seen by two kids who were seven back in the 80s 90s i don't actually know how old the boys were because i know they were seven but i don't know what date this happened at i just know that these stories all these ghost stories started around 2006 being broadcast on local news into Mm -hmm. these books that i cited and being put on the web and i will say (laughs) coincidentally ghost hunters started in 2004 so it's interesting how those stories permeated just the media after that kind of um landmark tv show aired it was really common we got a lot more ghost stories after ghost hunters started because it changed the way people framed ghost stories in their local area it makes this kind of podcast we can do it now and talk about it and people find it interesting they don't want to throw us immediately into an asylum so (laughs) there was a lot of cultural change because of ghost hunters, but yeah. I find it one of the big kind of red flags folklorists have is anything that comes after 2004. If it's new, it may be biased and mm. maybe what we call fake lore, which is.
2: Do you think though those shows could also trigger something in people and they remember it could be. something it from could their be. childhood that they.
0: It, yeah, didn't like think um, much recovering of, or... lost memories. So. Yeah. It was interesting doing the history of this and trying to figure out because what we're largely there there's almost nothing really documented about the Lennox building happening. Like I could not find Luke's Lodge that saved my life, could not find advertisements, could I looked at vintage photos of Oakley taken from the streetcar, and I could not get a good enough uh, photo of the Lenox building to make out who was occupying that area. So this would be something that probably would need more digging into of going to the actual historical society and digging into the blueprints of the area. But I do, I was able from the auditor's office get a list of who owned the building from 1945 until today. Oh, wow. And cause it was written in a, a anything that is older than I think two, was on mainly written cards and what the auditor's office did is just take photos of these cards and posted them on the auditor's website so that's how come i know that it was the two marys that owned the building and it seems to be that the mary family here just kept giving it to different members of the family and um, i can pull it up actually um let's see because i just i was looking at it not too long ago. So basically it was um, October 18th, 1946. Mary Dyer takes possession of the building. Then on November 20th, 1946, just a month later, um, Mary L. <sighs> Her last name. Fagley. Um <laughs> Sorry. I am so sorry. I am trying to pronounce this name fairly and killing not killing it i not killing it anyway so that mary mary l ended up having this building until 1965 and she seems to have um deeded it to morris mandel as the trustee and then morris mandel gave it to philip mandel and all of his entailments then until 1977 then november 22nd 1977 Salone Stein got the building and then it, uh, December 8th, 1978, the Lennox building partnership was created. And then February 13th, 1985, the Lennox realty company was created. And that would have been by that time habits cafe would have been in the building for five years when the Lennox realty company was created. The interesting thing is, is when uh, Mark Rogers sold the building, The entire thing was a huge hubbub in Oakley because basically Rogers had an understanding, as well as all the owners, of how they would lease out the space. And it was like that for almost 40 years. But when the new owners purchased it, the Lennox Realty Company did not put in a caveat saying how the space would be rented out to Habits. And that's what actually forced Habits. From And this is all the news articles that I was reading. That's how Habits ended up having to vacate within a few weeks from that space. And it's gone to instead the Oakley Fish Was it Oakley Fish restaurant. And then that turned into Rosewood tie-in sushi. Um, that's how those places managed to be there instead. And then Zypher Hairstyling, I think, took over a, sh- a smaller side of that space. And um now I think it's Prestige owns it and they rent out all at least they're the ones that rent out all of the um apartments and none of the apartments are for rent right now. All of mm. them are full. Wow. So I was looking It's wow. a good
2: location. It, it is, is a very Just good location unless you want to a a great park. Stuff. Yeah. If you want to park, yeah. it's a terrible so- I was gonna say that I I always dreaded parking when I went to <laughs> So I jealous. I
1: to- don't totally understand why they had to leave so quickly. Was it just tenancy
0: rules so they were doing a month to month um rental by that time? And uh if you uh get it, I'm not sure what the rec- what the laws are for retail and bar establishments in a space I know for um I think normal residential, you have to give at least 30 days ahead notice that mm-hmm. the the rental agreement's being terminated. And that is also, I can't answer that question because it wasn't in an article so
1: they never said an article why they had to leave they just said suddenly get out you have 30 uh, days
0: yeah basically I have 30 days
1: okay so yeah, i'd be curious to know what happened I mean, yeah it's interesting because it had been there and they had remodeled actually i mean it, mm-hmm. it had been recently mm-hmm. remodeled and it seemed like they were doing pretty good and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they were gone it was
0: a huge shock everyone at oakley was just like what
2: mm-hmm. yeah. like
0: it that was our bar <laughs> so yeah
2: yeah, it's sad they couldn't at least move somewhere else or come to some mm. sort of agreement, but it sounds like um, maybe the new owners just wanted them out.
0: Yeah, maybe.
2: To be able to charge maybe more rent. I know that happens a lot. Well, that's what I was wondering. Maybe they had
1: some sort of agreement where they weren't paying that much and they wanted it to be a lot bigger.
2: Mm -hmm. Because I will tell you, many times my mom and stepdad would look at new places to start a restaurant, Mm -hmm. and, of course, it was Mm rent-based. And when these huge corporations own things, like they had an offer to go in um, at the banks, and the amount of rent they would have had to pay, they wouldn't have made hardly anything. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. And then you always run the risk of your whatever they, they want to put something new in there. and Oh, mm-hmm. you got to get out. Bye. Because yeah. We want something. Yeah. I mean, it
1: just it seems like uh, the the uh, Michael Do- uh, Do- Dogrady who owns anything airbrushed, had a location in sh- downtown Cheviot and his place did really well. But mm-hmm. the owner of the building decided they wanted to put something else in there. So they were just kind of like, you have to leave.
2: hmm. So I guess that
1: happens a lot. It doesn't really matter how the business is doing. I think he wanted to put a bar in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And this is
0: speculation on our part. We don't know. I can only take off from um, the information gained from all the interviews. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, it may not have been any, it could
1: have been that they had something else in mind or maybe they had an offer or Mm it's hard
0: to say. It's hard, but uh, yeah, people were sad and they were, the neighborhood was hoping that, um, they were able to move to the laundromat across the street and that never happened because COVID was a thing mm, yeah, and uh, is a thing. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not past tense. It's not and gone away. It's not gone away, no. but that yeah, wreaked
2: havoc on the restaurant industry. It did. For sure. It really
0: did. So mm-hmm. um, it's just interesting having a ghost story in, 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 I really like actually how the, sorry, the, the, Police historian was able to come in and say, Well, yes, we did have a crooked cop in Oakley, <laughs> but it was the 1970s. And that actually led me down an entire different rabbit hole where um our permitting for the state of Ohio changed in 1976. And when that happened, a lot of issues like this just suddenly popped up. And the enquirer is full of stories of weird little permit. Um, I guess buddy buddy cop things where like these bars and establishments would be on like giving but i guess crooked cops but basically cops would be on the take about like or really easy like how do i how do i say that well
1: liquor licenses are a big thing like they're they're very hard to get yeah there have been some restaurants that were closed down because they lost their liquor license Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and, and that exactly. always seemed
1: a little bit, there's some sus stuff going on there. Yeah,
0: there was some sus stuff going on, but all over Cincinnati, not just in Oakley. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yes, yes. And I, and more than yeah. just one police officer. But what I also found interesting was the similarities that this story had to the Cleveland syndicate stories from Newport. And where they had somebody on the take and had police that were crooked and working for them. And that's how they were so powerful for so long. They still are. It's Mm -hmm. just um, the game has changed a little bit. So don't come after us, Mafia. I know nothing.
2: (laughs) Not Uh, that I condone the Mafia, but I I am endlessly fascinated by it. Yeah. Well, heck, even our legislature
1: gets bribed quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) what's (laughs)
0: happening. But it's so, it's just a very interesting ghost story because it's just, it's a, it, Professor John, oh my God, Bruhand, um, the my memory today, just like my voice has just been blah. But anyway, it is a great urban legend because it has that kernel of truth where it sounds plausible. And uh-huh. I don't deny that there's probably a ghost or two in the Lennox building because i've heard residents former residents talk about hearing phantom footsteps feeling being watched doors opening and closing on their own and uh just feeling it voices also they would hear phantom voices that they knew it wasn't their neighbors or anyone on the street it would be like somebody kind of like you jen where um was it uh chris's spirit guide was talking in your ear just like they'd be lying in right bed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, going like Chris has to help, like that kind of thing. So they knew it's not noise from outside, and it, it's so there's something up with the Lennox building. I don't think yeah. this is the story, though, is the thing
1: mm-hmm. fascinating. It was it's
0: like it was just like dealing with Step Cemetery in Indiana and mm-hmm. uncovering the entire mythology built around that cemetery Mm -hmm. and just deconstructing it. And it turned out the ghost story was a mannequin on a wire. (laughs) And I feel this has that kind of feel to me about a mannequin on a wire. That's the type of story this is. Well, you know,
2: and it's, it's funny with true crime stories. It's always the people that find the body. Oh, I thought it was a mannequin at first. It's never a mannequin. It's never
0: a mannequin. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Hmm. Not that that's funny. It's just a weird correlation, I guess.
0: It's interesting that it's where the human brain immediately goes to is that well, it has to be a can... mannequin stuffed well, in this. Yeah, because it's
2: not real. It's not a person. Yeah, yeah. That,
0: that's that's your brain trying to pigeonhole in. Yeah, I well, think your
2: brain's hoping that it's a mannequin. Yeah, rather yeah. than yeah. I, mean yeah. It, I don't. Those poor people. That fun. Yeah, topic, finding bodies. But...
0: Not yeah. it's. It's hard to ment- You can't mentally prepare for it. The only thing yeah. that will is experience. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's that would be your brain with the mannequin Car- carpentalment I cannot say
2: yeah, I can't say it either. <laughs>
1: Nobody gets
0: it. Wow, all of our <laughs> listeners have just, just turned off. There was yeah, like, they turned off. Well, we, that's why we edit. Yeah,
1: that's why. We- <laughs> there
0: yes. you go. Christina wins the cookie for tonight <laughs> for being able to say that.
2: I can say it in my head. <laughs>
0: I can say it in my head you know, too. It, it's it's
2: just... you know,
1: sometimes it's you get tongue tied. It's, mm. it's oh, easy to have that it. was
0: my day today. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it, it's what are your thoughts? I've talked about my thoughts. What are your thoughts on this story?
1: I mean, I think that there's probably a lot of haunted places in, in Oakley. I mean, they're older, it's an older area. It you know a lot of a lot of its pricing a lot of drama. I mean those apartment buildings are pretty interesting on Mark Mark Bright that whole uh, area down there. I mean you know Mm -hmm. it's probably got there's a lot of stories probably behind those areas.
0: Well, it's interesting because basically all of Oakley, what you see today, is from about 1915 on, because a lot of these houses um, are built for the people that worked for the mill.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So
0: um, it, it's just the entire, and even if you go to the Kroger that's in Oakley near the Cinemark and all that, the huge super Kroger, mm-hmm. they have a huge mur- mural. I almost called it a mural. Oh my goodness tonight, I am so sorry, everyone. They have a huge mural that is along the checkout lanes, which gives the story of Oakley and the mill and everything is at the very beginning oh, wow. of it. So, uh, like,
1: I don't know if I'd noticed that. I mean, I've been to that Kroger the, several same. times, but mm-hmm. I've yeah. not noticed the mural.
0: Yeah, when you're bored and waiting for a, a line to open at the fast checkout, I was just staring up there once, and I'm like, "Hey, this is the history of Oakley." So
1: that's kind of cool that they did that. Yeah, it it's cool.
0: a, it's a cute little touch that I think gets ignored a lot, just people don't realize what they're. Well, looking I mean, at. it's
1: sad that Oakley's getting rid of some of their history. Like, it's really tragic oh. that they. Knocked down that kenner factory oh, it was know. a beautiful art deco building
2: and yes. the architects and you tried- there
1: right i did not work there troy uh worked at kenner and it was still operating when he worked mm-hmm. there in the 80s and he mm-hmm. went there to look at prototypes and stuff mm-hmm. so i i so he did get to engage with it when he was working
2: there yeah you know what i found fascinating about that is that right before they tore it down i went there and probably trespassed and walked around the building and took pictures and the train there's train tracks right behind it and they mm-hmm. had an offshoot that went directly to the warehouse like mm-hmm. with all the doors that the semis would pull into mm-hmm. and i'm like oh my god i bet you they just loaded straight to the trains
1: oh yeah, yeah. So all, those, sure or not, yeah. all those
2: star wars figures yeah i just yeah. thought it it was cool and I love old buildings like that. Oh, I did too. And and
1: they did keep some of the U.S. playing card building, but most of it's been knocked down too. And it's just sad to see these companies go away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Note for listeners, that's an active railroad track. Do not walk on it. No, I didn't. No. Yeah, it's a former Cincinnati rail was turned into the Wasson Way, that foot project. It's not the actual Wasson Road. It is the pedestrian trail that's next to it. That used to be train tracks. The entirety of Oakley was just train. It was just it was cross all roads. train loading. And yeah, it was a crossroads, basically. What makes me really sad is one of our original turnpike houses was demolished last mm-hmm. year and yeah. turned into two smaller houses. It's on Woodland, hmm. right off of um, Mason, Madison Road. Sorry, not Mason Road. Madison Road. It is original 1872 Madison Turnpike House. And it was not in great condition, but really should have been saved because it had that, uh, I call it adorable, but it's the very simple um, square house with the square windows. And then as time went on, they kept doing additions and the additions are also squares and it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So it ended up, ended up looking like a yellow caterpillar house.
1: Oh, that's cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it, it had a lot of property because it was one of the original houses of Oakley, Aww. and they tore it down. And now oh, it's they're just two it's, small it's houses. building
1: madness. They're I, just I building, There's, I mean, it's
2: crazy how much they're building right now everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's a well, lot you know, funny because they don't want to deal with the old stuff and it's expensive and whatever. It is. But to refit, refit. Newer construction isn't the same, and you're just going to have problems with it sooner than you mm-hmm. would have with the old places. So, yeah, that's very true. It's but, sad. um, it made I me did want to say about i it tickles me that that he, he's a man in white i don't know why i really like that
0: <laughs> Just throws the trope there's a head. yeah we don't get too many men oh in and roles. i looked
1: up i looked up suit suit and it was as you said it was out of the jazz uh sort of culture mm-hmm. which i guess you could compare the jazz culture to the hip-hop culture today it was sort of mm-hmm. uh people obviously you know they used to think people like if you watch the musical chicago and they say that she was influenced by jazz it was the mm-hmm. same sort of racism that happens now with rap and stuff like that but it mm-hmm. was yeah. jazz was its grandfather i guess mm-hmm. right and the yeah. zoot suit was a big like they had these big shoulder pads you see them drawn in a lot of old cartoons yeah and, yes you know well, and a a they, they made a depicted. comeback
2: in they the did. early aughts didn't they um, like
1: the late nineties. Th- yeah the yeah. that Occasionally, um, you'll see, yeah. but but yeah, they said uh, Dizzy Gillespie and some of the other famous performers were them, and mm-hmm. they, and again, you know, there was some serious racism around. It, it was like a culture war kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like what I was going to say is in a lot of the older cartoons. The characters wearing zoot suits usually were depicted as being wolves, which is not exactly a positive depiction. Mm-hmm. Fairly, so
2: racist, it was fairly racist, Fairly racist. a rabbit one. Yeah, wasn't there one
1: in Jessica Rabbit? I think. Yeah, so. it's based on the old Tex Avery cartoons. But yeah. yes, um, it's sort of like in Harry Potter, where the you know where they have the goblins. It's sort mm-hmm. of a very thinly mm-hmm. veiled, maybe not that thinly.
0: No, it, yeah. it's like. Obviously. Tissue paper right. thin? Like, exactly. obvious?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so. It's a, uh, it's yeah.
1: a fairly so it's, offensive trope.
0: Yeah, but it, it's interesting that that's how he was depicted. It also makes me wonder when this was witnessed, because if it was around the time of Roger Rabbit, yeah, it would make more sense if it was kids reporting it. Yeah. So, it's it just...
1: Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, what
0: influenced the kids to see that and it there's a whole lot of just psychology that goes into this you can see why I was fascinated by this particular story because we have three different versions of the story three two of them are very similar and one is very different I don't know how the third one came to be it sounded like somebody who had heard the story couldn't remember it right and then told it that Uh way and that's how it got yeah it was a very very telephone worked perfectly in this particular thing where the the message got skewed and it got published in other publications that one was from a wine magazine where i found that that it, it was just kind of like okay well that was a story it's still a part of this larger legend so i'm including it yeah so it's and also for our listeners, if you have heard the story of Habits Cafe, been to Habits Cafe, have any input whatsoever, you can always email us at uh, hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com.
2: Let me put up that ticker.
0: Yeah. Uh, also,
2: if you live there and let us come over and do a ghost hunt, that'd be cool. Just, hey, have, yeah,
1: have, <laughs> have us over for lunch. We can we can have a sandwich, maybe an ostrich burger.
2: <laughs> well, okay, so I, I'll just I will say
0: <laughs> I've been to Rosewood. It is excellent. So please go support them. They were doing very good food and oh, I good. enjoyed them a lot. They used to be the Oakley fish house and now they're the, uh, they're just rebranded, but they're really good. Go, go there. It's great. So,
2: okay. We have a hometown haunt from Jess. When I was a teen, I had a blanket taken from me while I was sleeping. I felt something grab my toe and I woke up with it across the room. Then, as soon as I was awake, the fire alarm went off. I always thought it was a warning to the alarm. There was no fire, but the house did have a fire in it. When it was an old farmhouse. Hmm, interesting. That is uh, the way I read that. was that her toe went across the room, not the blanket. <laughs> Sorry, well, Jess. <laughs> have that way too. Um, that wait, have did you the a... ghost take your
1: toe?
2: <laughs> <laughs> there are it, it, ghost stories. Hmm?
1: Is is that that seems like a like people being awakened in emergencies? Is that a common oh yeah yeah that is ghosts? that's a
0: common um, it's huh. so that thank you Jess for submitting that story that's really good um, yes basically ghosts that are caretakers of property and see themselves as caretakers of families very commonly will wake up people if they think there's an emergency. The one that I point to the most often for this would be Suzanne at Writers Inn in Plain, it? Painesville, Ohio. So this is a original stagecoach in from the early 1800s. And Suzanne is the third wife of John writer who owned the stagecoach in and she died by actually falling into the fireplace. Oh. So yeah, She has been seen since then, since about 1816, basically protecting the building. And she has woken up the owners several times. She has called fire and police several times. She has appeared in her nightgown in the front doorway to get police into the building when there was a furnace. uh, The furnace room was um, the boiler had broken and was flooding the basement. So she's lit candles. She's done all sorts of, when I say lit candles, around the building to basically lead a path for the owner to find issues going on in the basement. Um, There's all sorts of just stories that she has trying to alert people to um, needs of the building. So that's very much what this kind of reads as. Yeah, I love Suzanne. She's probably my favorite ghost of all time. And um, she, lady in gray, she's been seen standing at the stairs on the stairs as well of the building. So that's a really cool place to go. How did by she the
2: way, fall into the fireplace. Was it a big fireplace, like a it, kitchen?
0: Yeah, if you can imagine back. Uh, what a horrible way to die! It's it was a very common way of dying. They were. Um, who,
2: side note: Before you go on, have you ever been to the uh, Grove Park Inn in Nashville? No. Okay. I stayed there once with my mom. It's a real big, very expensive, beautiful place. But in the lobby, there is a ginormous fireplace that I could go into. I could walk mm-hmm. into it and stand up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, kids should not be playing in front of that. They're going to trip and fall and go in there. Yeah. It, I mean, there was nothing to keep them from in there. Oh, geez. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> a lot of the older buildings and others... Um a lot of historical buildings that you can go into in Hamilton and in Middletown that um, basically have kept those fireplaces. They're huge stone fireplaces and they're exactly the way, at least the one at Rider's Inn is exactly the same way where you can walk into it. Mm-hmm. And women would constantly die of not self emulation, but they would catch on fire their dresses or their skirts would catch on fire and little girls as well. Anybody working in the kitchen was at risk of catching on fire and um especially help yeah yeah so um she she got on fire and the interesting story with that is in ohio there was no obituary written for her i only knew that she had died because um joseph i think i called him john earlier but joseph remarried only like two months later to his fourth wife and but the interesting thing is suzanne was from a prominent family in new york state And they wrote about her death announcement dying of catching on fire in in their local newspaper. So it was an interesting. wasn't pushed? That is one of the great mysteries and why she's included in Ohio's haunted crimes. Mm -hmm. Because it is strongly suspected that Joseph was killing his wives. (gasps) Because two of them um, were pushed down the stairs and one of them died of a heart attack. Ooh. And they. Oh, that's live. very suspect. It's it, very suspect. He <laughs> lived for a very long time. His last wife, and all of his descendants maintained the stagecoach in for a very long time, up until the 1900s. But um, I think it only fell into out of the family in after the 1950s. Oh wow! But uh, this is a story I'm trying to remember from like 2014 when I wrote it. But um, well, yeah, I've been there. Was
2: she still has great love for the place
0: she loved it a lot
2: she she was
0: really excited to become basically the house not the housekeeper but keep the house for the place she was yeah she was excited to be a caretaker excited to be a stage coach in caretaker was by all accounts a very friendly innkeeper and all that made really good food was very popular with the people and uh then died unexpectedly so to
1: say it reminds me of Ma Green too, yeah, mm.
0: and Ma Green also kind of does the same thing on the Delta Queen. So. yeah did
1: she keep it from wrecking or something like if something was going wrong, she no open. when they
0: tried to put a bar in she but had there to was to another story
1: too where she like kept it from doing something like there was some sort of oh, fire the or something was, yeah yeah, there' the boiler was something room like was leaking. that she alerted someone,
0: yeah, the boiler wow. room was leaking and she uh, alerted the captain. Mm-hmm. So, um, she does, she's another specter that does that. So, mm-hmm. this just Jess's story reminds me and reminded you, Christina, of these uh caretaker spirit,
1: yeah, genre. yeah. I almost sure love the
0: trope, but
1: like during, I mean, when people are still injured today cooking, but my yeah. uh great grandmother died of burns from cooking. <gasps> um, I don't know the whole story, and um, my uncle said before he passed away that she had actually spilled boiling water on herself no. i'm not oh. sure what happened but she didn't love live much longer after that oh. like she had a lot of third no. degree burns ouch and Poor i me. don't even know today if they have much better treatment i mean i think they do have better ways of skin grafting and i mean they're yeah. talking about painful injuries yeah basically yeah.
0: they're trying to keep you from dying of infection mm-hmm. so um but yeah that's ow
2: yeah ow. yeah that's that's a hard one to come back from Mm -hmm. those kind Mm -hmm. of burns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this
1: would have been in the twenties.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My sister used to work on the burn unit as a social worker at UC.
1: Oh my gosh. I don't know how she did it.
2: Yeah. Wow. It's, 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 it's yeah.
1: Horrific. I mean, I think they are getting better at treating, like you said, keeping the infection down, but also like those wounds are particularly painful.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And especially if they're over a large percentage of your body, I mean, mm-hmm. that that's a trauma that your body just can't come back from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, on that cheery note, <laughs> now, yeah, now, now, now we can end the show. Can I add one more thing? Sure. About waking up. I love to hear the stories about an animals saving their, their owners mm-hmm. too. When the houses are on fire or somebody's mm-hmm. coming in to get them or, you know, I have mm-hmm. always liked those stories too. That's what that reminded me of.
0: Oh yeah. So if you now, have stories if- like that. Please send them to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. And thank you for putting up with us this episode. (laughs) My goodness. Um, Wow. The the long holidays certainly messed with my head. I don't know if it messed with yours. But also, you can follow us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter, at Sincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And also share your own hometown haunts from your neck of the woods on our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. All right. I'm Keck Loco. We got Jen and Christina. Thank you. Stay spooky. Bye. and Good Bye. night.